Death is not the worst thing. It is his gift to us, an end to want and pain. On the day that we're born, the many-faced God sends each of us a dark angel to walk through life beside us. When our sins and our sufferings grow too great to be born, the angel takes us. Hello, and welcome to 2C1C, a Game of Thrones living card game podcast founded in 2010 by myself, Will Lentz, Greg Atkinson, and Brad Zeiler. These days, my co-hosts may differ, but we're generally pulling from at least some familiar core of voices. Many thanks go out to Fantasy Flight Games' George R. Martin, Card Game DB, and Josh Woodward for the CC licensed music you're hearing now. This is Season 5. So what's dying? Alright. I don't know, but what is dead may never 1.0? die? Yeah, 1.0 definitely is. All I know exactly. is I have to thank Greg for uh, all these sheets from his Game of Thrones quote calendar, but I hope that he's bringing me more soon. <laughs> yeah, I have about 30 more for you. Awesome. Well, <laughs> That'll be the day the podcast ends when we run out of those. Yeah, we've, we've got about a half a year left. <laughs> Uh, well, welcome to Two Champs and a Chump episode, what the hell is this, 210? Mm-hmm. I stopped counting at 200. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and hey, t- Two Champs, Three Chumps. It's a, this is an impressive turnout for the show. Of course, uh, I'm here, Will, but I'm also joined by uh, our stalwart champs. Greg. John. <laughs> uh, all right, too much of a gap. You know what? Chumps, Tommy, and Aaron. Our champs are being held at gunpoint, apparently. <laughs> actually, right, blink twice if you're That's here against your Daryl hasn't been on the show. He's actually holding the gun. Uh, it's not. It's not my gun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you beat me to that. <laughs> Well, right. not sure where to go after that, but I thought we'd point out Gen Con is uh, in a measly, like, two weeks by the time uh, listeners are listening to this episode. Actually, slightly under. Rapidly approaching. Well, the Jaws tournament, by the time they're here, this will be two weeks from that date, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, that's, that's pretty sweet. The first official uh, 2.0 event will be uh, just a week and a day. And, or sorry, two weeks in a day. And as well, even more importantly, that first official event is going to be even better than normal. Or at least better than expected, right? Right. <laughs> because the reason is, I just want to remind listeners, FFG is not running a cut. They are only doing Swiss rounds and then calling it a night. But unfortunately, we've not seen a Game of Thrones event that way in a very long time. And so, uh, we've stepped up to, uh, to keep things going after that, to, uh, to get a champ. FFG has, has agreed to kind of pass over the tourney data so it's easy to, to grab the, the top. Probably 16 people, I think, uh, was the general thought at the moment. 
and go ahead and play it out to find a final champion. Um, we've you got know. a couple other folks helping us. Chris uh, over in California and, of course, Dennis over in D.C. I have a suggestion for you, Will. There should be prizes to first, second, and last, so you really are giving prizes to two champs and a chump. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. That, that is pretty Nailing great. it. We, uh, we're working on several prizes. I think we'll have a good little, uh, little extra set of stuff to incentivize people to, to stick around. But yeah, maybe we should bring something for last or at least something for Tyrion. That's kind of like being in last, right? No, Sansa's being in last. Okay. Well, well for our, for our portion of the tournament, yeah. Yeah. Being Tyrion is definitely being a chump, right? Alright, since you mentioned the fact, let's move on. Yeah, sounds good. We got a new one dropped on us. 5.5. We also got some updated tourney rules, but those are considerably less exciting, so I'll tack that on at the end of this uh, this bit. Alright, the first thing on the fact, or the first important thing on the fact that's changed is both Longship's Maiden's Vein and the Naval Escort have been eroded into only counting unique warships for their effects. Your definition of first is way different from mine. <laughs> are, mine you, are you looking at the FAQ? No, that's the maybe, list I gave. Maybe he's it. going by the article? Uh, maybe. Are you going by the article? I made the list based off the article, yes. Ah, see, I always go directly off the FAQ. Boats, I, are, the big, boats are the biggest thing to be hit, no? No. I mean, no, there's something bigger than boats? Mira. Boats are bigger than Mira. <laughs> uh, boats got hit harder. Fleeing to the wall. Fleeing to the wall. True. Red Viper. Yes. Okay. All right. Instead of just shouting all out. over, guys. We got we to gotta stick with <laughs> an order. So Aaron went ahead and started us with the boats. Let's go with that. All right. So I think this fully eliminates boats. There's very few good, unique warships. Well, yeah. Yeah, there, there's a handful. Um, but nowhere near you, enough to have the deck where it was before. The, do you guys think it makes it unplayable? I don't. It makes it arduous to play. I think I think it has a bigger effect on naval escort than Maiden's Bane. Maiden's Bane is still an effective card. All you need is like two other warships. At least the three strength, you know, is doing something. But and you have an ally V save, for example, too, and make it up to five strength, but Main's Bane, you never really relied on all those other warships. Sometimes just getting that extra strength and being able to jump into challenge is worthwhile. It's still a solid card. Is it worth being it? able to They're utilize it and being able to abuse it are two totally different things, though. Yeah, Correct. it's just a solid card, like in a deck that also happens to be running some other uh, some other unique warships now. Or are you saying you you think the deck basically that is all centered around that is still a possibility? Oh, I still think um, a HOD mains vein is really good. Um, the thing that makes the, the, this is going to sound crazy, but the thing that's going to actually make the deck better is that you're going to take out all those stupid capture cogs and other things you were playing <laughs> to increase your warships, capture and now you can actually put, now you get to put in real cards. So in some <laughs> ways, it may make the deck a better deck. You get to put in red jester and grief. And great ghost, uh, great ghost, yeah, better oh. characters. 
Oh, characters. Oh, so you're sure. talking about running a substantially different deck. Wait, you run characters in a bean deck? I don't understand this. I think you're making something This is up. unreasonable. Um, I think the other change does as much to Bane as this one does, though. The uh, fleeing to the wall becoming yeah. becoming cannot be canceled That's is huge Bane to Bane. At massive. It's it's big. And that, of course, is due to the Green Seer's Raven, which was just all over the place. While this kind of helps rein in boats, do you guys think that this deems the bird from being played at all? I don't think so. I think it was going to until uh, they took Mummers off and people are still going to be like, hey, five extra cards. Yeah. I think it's going to temper HOD in general. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But there's really a lot bad of, for Lanny. There's a lot of other great location-heavy decks. I mean, you know, Baratheon, Shadows with the... Uh, Black Cells, Lannister gets a lot of good locations. I mean, I just think in general, to not be able to cancel fleeing and have heavy location craziness out there stopped, it's, it's going to be huge for the, to, to be able to have that. And you, you know you can play and there's nothing to do about it. I think it also tempers the return of Targaryen because it's going to limit the amount of locations that they can throw out there, especially if they're running Hollow Hill. Yeah, but are they going to be doing all that bad? I mean, uh, the, that newer build that uh, did well in Madrid was running favorable ground. Right. So, it's yeah, it's good for the favorable builds, but it's not good for anything else that really wants influence. And it's not like... That's what I was getting after, yeah. It's not like the red keep came off. Now, I, I think what what's really going to happen here is we're just going to see immediate shift in the metagame. Uh, I think fleeing to the wall actually is ancillary because the truth is, is that with the two warships getting their, their rata, the fact is there are very few other location heavy decks that are played commonly in the competitive scene. So what'll happen is people aren't, they're just not going to pack fleeing to the wall anyways. I think the errata on fleeing to the wall is going to become a non-entity because you're just not going to see it in tournament games because it's no longer a necessary plot to play. That's absolutely fair. I think it's come and gone. Like it, it's always been a handy surprise plot to, to throw off uh, your opponent's game plan when they're not expecting it. So I don't think it gets written off completely, but I, I think it kind of gains that power back once it has dropped out of the the popularity for sure. We're being. It may, it may end up being kind of like what Greg's saying though is just now the threat of it being out there and the fact that. These two Greyjoy warships have been, or Greyjoy location cards have been affected that people just don't play them in because of it. We're being very American-centric here. Fleeing has always been a very, very popular uh, popular plot in Europe. Yeah, it's been popular out here in Southern California, too. We There are a lot of guys that play with it out here. It's a good plot. And if you get it at the right time against the right deck, it just basically auto-wins you that game. And I don't even just mean against boats. Against a Gaston Grey deck, against um the right Lanny deck. Well, it's been popular in lots of decks where, take for example, a Martell Gaston Grey deck, and they're not really running a lot of attach removal. So somebody plays Frozen Solid on your Gaston Grey, I got fleeing. I can discard that location. If I don't need nice. other locations... I get rid of a location that I don't, I don't need, you know, and I can play another copy now. That's totally fair. And the other thing that comes to mind for me is if you look at Baratheon, they didn't do too much to that in the FAQ, but 
what what builds are left that are good for Barra, a lot of the ones that you want to play are using multiple locations, be it Bitterbridge, Bitterbridge Encampment, um, uh, Black Cells. Yep. Yeah, but Barra has their self-discard location, so fleeing to the wall, they're going to get to choose three, right. and chances are the three they keep are the three they need, and they've already used their other income locations. I really think I'm going to ask you, John. Let me ask you a question from one former champ to another one. How many times have you played fleeing to the wall at a Worlds or Nationals event? Uh, probably about zero to the tenth power. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm the same way. I, I'm not saying that it doesn't have prominence in certain metas, but I think that that's a meta call. I really think yeah. on an overall large scale, you just see it very infrequently at competitive events. Now, we were seeing it more, but that was a direct response to the warship deck that was out there, because if you didn't have a quick answer to that, fleeing to the wall was was one of the quick answers you could put in your plot deck to help tone down that deck if you were playing against it okay but if that deck truly is no longer a tier one tournament deck you're not playing fleeing to the wall i mean i'm not saying it may not have you know uh uh the the possibility of being a a nicely played card here or there but i just think in general you're not going to see it greg you just there's no way you can you just changed my mind thank you I am now bringing Fleeing to the Wall with me for Gen Con. Just are you going to slot it into that uh, Lanny deck that you butchered? I can't. I'm not. I, you did not submit that deck to me, so I can't consider it. I can. It's only, I'm only I taking it was submissions. Pre-submitted. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm only taking submissions. I like submissives. He <laughs> likes when people submit to him. Uh huh. <laughs> all right. Next okay. thing on the is that all the errata? Nope. One more big errata, huh? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a little bit, uh, else on the errata front. I, I think Bruno started to mention something about that. Why don't you lay that on us, man? Mira? Little, little girl named Mira? Yeah. Yeah. She's not going to be like popping out in the middle of a challenge phase anymore. Is she not that bitch better stay in shadows? She's going to come out just like everybody else. In the middle of the marshaling phase is what I'm even happier about. Sure, exactly. Right. Marshaling phase. She was awesome to come out and blank a bunch of locations. Discount somebody's gold. So many great things you could do with her. Now she's gonna have to wait till the beginning of every single challenge phase, like every every single phase, like everybody else. And most people don't have their gold until the beginning of the challenge phase. How much else changed for Stark though? That's gonna make them not choose that card. If you're running Winter, it's still the card. But if you're not running Winter, I'm not sure she's the choice anymore. I agree. So what becomes the choices? A plot, I would guess. Some plot. I mean, now you're going back to, I still think, in my opinion, Search and Detain is the most versatile I like it. plot to pull at any time. And it's, you know, if you are, there's lots of things you can Search and Detain for, obviously. So I love Search and Detain. If I'm not sure what, you know, what plot it is, I want to use that one. But, you know, you can even use Fury if you want to run that for the nice gold. And you want to be able to play, you think there's going to be a lot of Grager or Lannister in the field. You want to be able to have the high initiative from it. And you want to be able to play to be a wolf. I mean, Fury's not a bad call now. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, though, about the search and detain, given some of the other ch- changes on the list that we'll see later. Right. A couple of things about Mira <laughs> that I, I don't want to skip over just in terms of, of general like, tournament viability and, and meta shifts. 
but a couple things just rules wise, I definitely want to make sure listeners are, are up on since she is now a response to her coming out of shadows, uh, that, that changes a couple little things, mainly in that, uh, it all revolves around her ability fully being a character ability at all times now, which means mm-hmm. she can be canceled by something like, uh, the Lannister Iron Throne and will stay in play. It also means that the wonkiness of her ability previously, well, not being able to be canceled by the Iron Throne because it wasn't a character ability, but then not being able to blink the Red Viper because it was a character ability. It means now we don't have that weird transition in the middle of her own effect. It he is calls it finally intuitive. Right. It is top to bottom a character ability now. Why that wasn't done ages ago, I don't know. Yeah, don't forget that he calls it thinking will hit it too. Yes, as well. Uh, also notable, a lot of people are complaining that she should be unrestricted since she's been so heavily nerfed. I mean, I genuinely, I genuinely don't think so. I think that now she's a, a much more valid restricted before. But what do you guys think? Stark doesn't need that much help. Yeah, yeah. I don't think she needs to, to come off. Now she's just a, you know, quite good card, not absolutely crazy. Well, here's the thing compared to what we've had before. I mean, the Viper, which we'll talk about in a minute, but the Viper has never been restricted. This ability, where, where she is right now, that doesn't make her better than the Viper. And he hasn't been restricted before. So I can definitely see the case for her not being restricted in this form. But, you know, we have other characters. I mean, how long did it take for Daenerys to get restricted? Asha's not, you know, Asha's off the list now. It's like there's so many cards that are comparable to her in terms of strength for a house. Um, she's not totally bonkers you know, multi-usable that she needs to be restricted. I'd be fine if she was not. See, but she's still multi-usable because she can still pop back into shadows. She's still absolutely multi-usable. She's just not multi-usable in the same phase. Correct. I mean, she's easily still, I would say, on par with something like the Castellan that's been restricted for years now (laughs) as far as repeatability and, you know, impact on board presence. Well, based on our normal card ratings when we do chapter pack reviews, she's still an A card. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you were like, if you make it winter, you can use nightmares twice every challenge phase, but it has to be the first thing you do. I'd be like, yeah, I'll do that immediately. And that's basically what she reads. Except she's better because nightmares won't hit attachments. (laughs) Right. And she's going to get to do challenges. Nightmares can't. Does she just simply push Stark players further towards no agenda with a winter tint? Um, yeah, I mean, I think she certainly takes a little bit of a bite out of Dark Wings. Yeah. I don't know if she needed a ton of extra push there. It's too bad Kyle's not here to really weigh in on that, that Dark Wings uh, thought, though. Right. Next card. On to the actual restricted list. Yes. Anyone? Sure. The Viper? Let's go with the Viper. Let's go with the Viper. About damn time. 
The thing yeah. I've always, the things that I always hated about the Viper is the fact that truly this is one card that can win a game with you. You're totally undermanned, totally overmatched, and you get him on the table and just protect him, and you can win a game with him. And I, I've always hated that ability uh, that you can win games that way with him. I mean, it's also kind of cool in a way too, but I've never really liked it, especially since, and this is probably going to piss a lot of people off or piss some people who disagree with me. He's such a powerful card for really a minor character in the books. He doesn't really have tons. I mean, it's cool what he does, but he's not really a major character in the books. Well, a lot of that might be based on his street cred that he has going into it, right? Exactly. I think the biggest problem with restricting him is, outside of agenda-restricted's, I think that like him and the he and the Bannerman are the only really valid restricted cards out of uh, Martell right now. Then Viper's Blade or Venomous Blade, excuse me. I don't see. I don't see it being played. Should never be freed. I I don't think any of them should be freed. I just don't think that we're going to see Burning on the Sand or Venomous Blade when you could have Viper instead. You know, it seems like just a couple weeks ago we had an argument about this, and you guys were telling me Venomous Blade was played all the time. It is. As a restricted card. It absolutely Martell. is. It was and the most common restricted I think either, I think that the Martell decks, the Martell No Agenda decks that were running, uh, Venomous Blades add, add Civis and just take Viper off. Cut the blade. And just, yeah, keep Viper. Yep. Because that's they what can I think keep casting, they can keep everything else. I don't see how that like it makes them worse, but not significantly worse. And maybe in the current meta, even better, since Maesters will be back, and Civis is such a good Maester answer. You don't think anybody's just gonna nab the Warcross Viper? I don't start? think he's good. I mean, I think he's good. What? I just think, I don't like five for three. If I have you, to say, if you're Greg, five for three, you better be. Broken. Wait, he's the one that's restricted is five for three. <laughs> yes, you be- and he's broken. The answer is you better be broken if you're going to be five for three. Oh, this is awesome. You guys already helped me make my deck again now. Now I'm putting <laughs> fleeing in. I'm burning on the stand as my restricted card, and I'm playing the work as Viper. I love it. Keep helping me out. Keep and fleeing. Don't forget, you've got fleeing. Oh, I have fleeing. Bring so it. Definitely. It can happen. Yes. I don't think he's... I don't think it's bad. It's a good card. I just don't think that it's worth five for three. It's not worth that investment if you expect even the lightest bit of of burn. That's so easy to burn. I don't know. The resources these days, it's not, it's not nearly as much of an investment as it was at the beginning of the LCG. I'm, in, in well, a lot Martell of situations, kind of like, make that gamble. Martell kind of likes Summer, too, and they've got the Maester of the Stun still hanging out. Right. True. Which definitely helps you against other charity kill. Like, against Burn, you know, my one copy of him or whatever, I hold my hand. It's like I drew a, you know, late-game water garden that I don't need. Like, sure, it kind of sucks, but it's probably not the make-or-break play of the game. Yeah, but you weren't running one Princes of the Sun Viper. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about decks having to adjust, for sure. Right, but you could just keep Viper, keep Gaston Gray, and then go to town. Yeah, assuming it's all Gaston Gray. I've never been particularly enamored of that particular strategy. Martel No Agenda, the one that's been winning for, what, four years running now? Three and a half years running? 
has been a Gaston Grey build. One, I think it gets significantly uh, better with Savas. It's it's not always been a Gaston Grey build. It that's that's been a you know player's choice kind of thing. Sometimes they use it, sometimes they don't. Not the ones that have been winning. That's not true at all, Aaron. I I think you're making a blanket statement, and there's not facts to back it up. Yes, it has won recently, but if you're talking for the last three and a half years, there's been many times the Martell no agenda Quentin deck has not run Gaston. I I'm not even trying to be mean. I can't think of a single instance. Damn it! I can't think of a single instance of it winning a major tournament and not running and not running Gaston Gray. Wow, I think I've seen one with um, either the Bannerman or... Oh, I've seen it with the Bannerman and Bannerman's Blade, but it's been running Gaston either way. Sure, no, I hear you, but yeah. I I mean, sometimes it's running two and And in both of those instances, Savas makes it better. Uh, Savas does, but with another change to the restricted list, are you maybe pointed a different direction to be playing that Savas? I.e. the conflict? That's true. You're not wrong. Should we should we go ahead and acknowledge that part, the stuff that came off? Well, we didn't even get through what went on. <laughs> all we got is Viper. Uh, so it it turns out all these changes are always so intertwined. Intertwined, yeah, yeah. So it's it's obvious there that the conclave also comes off. So let, let's go ahead and mention the other two that went on, uh, and the other one that came off, just so they're they are at least declared. And then we can continue from there. To be a dragon went on, as did Harry the Riverlands for Lannister. And then coming off, of course, Skamus of Oz, Conclave that just got a nod, and as we alluded to earlier, crossing the Miners forward. So three on, three off. To be a dragon makes me sad. It eliminates my favorite deck. <laughs> really Do these don't. changes change the value of Hall? I think Heron Hall's value's gone way down. That's what I think too. Hmm. I stopped playing Heron Hall a long time ago. Yeah. I, I hate most, I hate those I hate those locations you feel like you have to play because most of the time they end up being it's kinda of like we talked about fleeing the wall before. When you feel like you have to play it, that's when you really don't. Because people Most good players stopped playing it a long time ago too. I totally agree with you. But I mean, does it really nerf it to the point where it's not popular? At large. I don't know what you're trying to jam with it anymore. I mean, I guess I know what you're trying to jam with it. I just don't feel like that's important enough to need to jam. Yeah. Something like the game. Generally, less less potent than some of the prior stuff. But, I don't know. Hmm. Though if Stark moves away from Dark Wings and goes more towards No Agenda, their events become much more prevalent and much more consistent and thus much more valuable. Sure. But Brienne does an awful lot to make that shut up and so does um whatchamacallit? Northern Patriarch? Northern Patriarch, yeah. Yeah. Absolute fair statements. Like it all becomes a give and take at that point. Is is start well, let's get some meta stuff after this. We'll we'll come back to this after we get through the last couple, yeah? Yeah. Well, the conclave, as as we were alluding to, there came off. So that definitely gives some fuel back, uh, <laughs> maybe more than some, uh, back to yeah. Martel Maesters, especially when you're also giving them Savas back at the same time. Massively fuels. 
Yeah, how how high up in the ranking does that jump now? It's hard to say for sure, but yeah. it's it's up there for sure. <laughs> hard to say. For sure, you better be for thinking sure. about it when you design a T1 deck. That, yeah, I mean, I mean, can you build a T1 deck that doesn't have an answer for Maesters right now? Not after these changes, in my opinion. Yeah, no. I mean, the Conclave coming off, I think, makes Greyjoy Maesters a real thing again, too. Barra Maesters has been good. Yep. Targ, Rust, and Maester. Yeah. Um, I mean, everyone has a Maester build except Lannister, right? Neutral Maester? Oh, never mind. Well, <laughs> real, real half. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Stark has Maesters with all their uh, wolves. Everyone's got a Maester build. So you better have well, something to do that. Especially with that with that new plot. I mean, that makes yeah. that so much better. Yep. Uh, Thanks, kid. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which is more ammo for search and detain. That's what I was getting at when Bruno mentioned it. And more ammo for needing Gaston. Yeah. Uh, that's that's fair. It does help with the Maesters for sure. Just bring out old uh, Gilbert Farwood, and then you don't have to worry about him. There'll be more <laughs> A5 to put him out. There you go. Loofing apart and Maesters, which obviously is a pretty good call with that. That You can put that, that Conclave off for free with the Loofing apart and Maesters. Oh, yeah, real quick. Especially in Martell. Yep. Yeah. With, with Maesters obviously going to be on the upswing here, uh, do you think that that pushes – uh, HOD LIV2 up just a little bit. Let them get a chain or two. Nuke, uh, nuke their maester presence with whatever they were counting I mean, on having. And it's a deck that certainly doesn't care about fleeing to the wall. Yeah. <laughs> right. I just, but in Live 2, why would you then challenge with your maesters? Because it's so easy to just be like, all right, I'll challenge with other things and let my maester be a little controller who kneels to draw and stuff. Yeah, very possibly. But I don't know that when when I've seen Live Two going off, uh, say with the stuff Mark's played down here, I, I just don't. I feel like if if Maesters get on the wrong side of, of that tempo footing, they're going to have some some real problems when they lose the key challenge due to the long ship, and then just their all their Maester presence on the board is just eroded with two playing. I don't know. Hmm. What plots do they play? Oh, uh, fear type plots. The live stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Maesters, on they, the other hand, if that was what you're asking about. Ma- Maesters is what I'm talking about, yeah. Okay. The usual? I mean, stoic, outwit. Call, at the gates. Or at the gates, yeah, sorry. They're not going river blocks. We've got two more cards to cover. Is anybody going river plots since I brought that up? We're crossing oh. off. I know Greg had kind of mused about this sort of thing before. Is it worth it to you to start playing now? Um, you know, I the question is is are the you know the green seer ravens still going to be as saturating the the environment, you know, during Gen Con and Worlds as it is now, you know, and if they are, then I don't really know that it's worth even going back to them. I mean, you can't, you now can no longer, you know, because the errata, even though it's come off the list, you still can't double trigger crossing the Mummer's Ford, you know, 
So it really is getting you five cards. You reveal, you do the one where you reveal one, you copy that, and then somewhere down the road on your fifth one, you're playing crossing, third or fourth or fifth one. I think one thing with uh, Green Seers Raven, I'm kind of a little more tempted to play him, keep him around anyway. I mean, when I was playing him, it wasn't because I was playing lots of locations and I wanted to use it against fleeing. Now you might see at the gates more often just because rip maces are coming back. Okay. So it kind of makes me a little more tempted to play green, keep playing green, green seers and maybe, you know, playing more frequently. I mean, and worse comes to worse. He's still a one drop with stealth, which is, you know, and he's still, he's feeling Sam. Everybody's yeah. playing Sam. He's feeling Sam. Yep. And Harry the Riverlands. That makes me sad. I'm very happy about that. I'm I'm a little bummed about it, mainly just because I'm still such a mom fan of the refugees, and you know, pulling further refugee hate out of the meta while leaving the refugees there just annoys me. I wouldn't have cared about Harry's going on, Harry going on pretty much at all if the refugees had gone on at the same time. One quick point back away from Harry. We were talking about Sam briefly there. Does the changes to Martell and the lack of the Venomous Blade increase Sam's value? Yeah. Hard to see it, not. Yeah, I agree. Those people keep the blades. Do you think that Harry the Riverlands is the right call for Lannister? It almost seems. I mean, Baratheon, nothing really got touched, right? Mm-hmm. But every, every house had something touch him in some way. And, uh, it's like, did Lannister get the right call? Was it was Harry the right call, or do you think the Westlands have been the right call since you were now doing the boats and kind of like to counter that a little bit, you put the Westlands on too? Um, that's what I was wondering. I was wondering which card would happen for Lannister, and I thought it would be between Harry and what the Westlands. So I was actually surprised it was Harry more than the Westlands. Harry hurts them far worse. Yeah, exactly. Westerlands would make a certain amount of sense from like a theme perspective, though, because it's yeah. Something Lannister uh, supposed to not really have as far as location control. Well, you know what this so pushes back up. Continue to have the guild hall, though. Right, right. You know what this pushes back up? The world's winning deck. Dark wings. Yep. What they, difference does Harry um, make? Sure. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Exactly. I mean, that deck was three rivers. That deck was heavily fueled by rivers, though. They could still run three rivers. It's not a lot of card advantage, but with their regular Lanny draw and the agenda, that doesn't look bad at all. By the way, quick mention. Sorry to go off on a tangent here. You mentioned three rivers. How about my pirates, Greg? That's all I'm saying. But anyway, go keep going, keep going. <laughs> um, unless I've mistaken the standings, they're still in second place in the division. <laughs> We're catching up. <laughs> <laughs> We'll say that for not talking about stop. the standings at all, though. McCutcheon had himself quite a home run in the All Star game. He sure did. He's had himself quite the home run in about four of the last five games he's played. <laughs> Sounds about right. <sighs> okay, I hate so, to hate to be the damper and bring it back around to Thrones <laughs> stuff, but yeah, unless sports. we're unless we're talking soccer, I got nothing to go on. For the yeah, race. I was gonna say start so. getting. Start talking about soccer, and Will won't want to bring the conversation back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who wants to talk about Galaxy picking up Dos Santos? <laughs> oh, man. And, and Gerard's coming, too. 
Yeah, I know, right? Is, is Pele still playing? No. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> so meta predictions? No, actually, meta uh, predictions. before we move on, uh, to meta predictions, there's a, there's something in FAQ that I'm a little curious about. Does anyone other than me have the FAQ currently open in front of them? I do. Okay. Do you do me a, a favor, Bruno, and hit control? Oh, F? I would do you any favor, Will. Nice. I love it. Would you do me a, do me that favor then and control F and search for Hollow Hill and tell me what the entry says? <sighs> Sorry, it's on yeah, Knights of the Hollow Hill, not literally the oh, Hollow Hill. Location. Can I just type in, can I just type in 222? Or Probably Great not. Star, you, can, you can type in, uh, 2.1. Alright, let's see. Knights of the Hollow Hill. There's no change to it. It says the other cards you control do not provide a gold bonus. Text does not apply to the plus two gold gained by your house card from this agenda. So it's still. Wait, there's no change? Is that the entirety of the text? That is the entirety. Is there something missing? Mm. Cards of Command Gun? Oh. Uh, I I ran a search on that earlier and searched for. Uh, command didn't, didn't turn it up. I waited until FFG put up their, uh, preview article thinking, you know, maybe they goofed and put up the, you know, wrong version to begin with, with a slight tweak, which has happened before. Um, <laughs> but at this point, now that it's been many hours since this went up, I can only think that this was on purpose, but Looks legit. No attention was drawn correct. to it. So I guess Barra has a Hollow Hill build. I guess. I think. It's I so think weird. A couple houses do. But I I feel like FFG has done this once or twice before, where they deleted something and didn't like note that in any sort of bold reminder, right? Right, and I it's it's actually kind of cool because you have to be. It's just something that you're looking through the pack and read it. And boom, there it is. It's kind of like a. A little bonus where you yeah. didn't pay attention. I like it. Yeah, it was just like Should right there next to the era, and I was like, "Wait a minute, what?" And then it's not there. Yep, that is beyond huge. So, what are the implications? Big. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there goes that. Maybe Heron Hall isn't that valuable anymore. Do we feel like uh, like Rally Cry might be playing a little bit more back in the Hollow Hill decks? River plots could does, be. Now you got yeah, I was just gonna say, does that river change? Now seem quite a bit more sexy. Sure. Yeah, if I can start my turn with ten gold, right. that sounds pretty awesome. Definitely. Right. <laughs> wow. All right. Now I'm back to Martel Hollow Hill with Will burning the, the, the animators back. Burning exactly. and fleeing. I I love it. I mean, so many cards. Sansa. Um. The assassin. Or Shadow Killer or whatever. Yeah, yeah Shadow. What's that card called? Is that Shadow Killer? Shadow, Shadow Killer. Killer. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that card is awesome. That's awesome. I mean, those are the main. Going to be at least one, possibly the two rivers that care about command, Shadow Killer and Sansa. There's, or, and sorry, and Rally Cry. And Rally Cry. Yeah. There's really <laughs> not a, that many cards that reference command. Those are really important cards. They are. They are. I just mean, like, we don't have to keep, you know, stretching ourselves to think. That's basically it. Still? Good, good enough for foundation of a deck. Yeah, really. Yeah, totally. Huh. Yay, FFG. Bravo. That makes up for the Conclave, which I did not want off. 
Right. Well, you're going to need it. Like Rally Cry is going to be a great card. Just again, for like the example of the, the Maesters, you know, put all the freaking chains in your Maester. You're going to have more art cards in the command than I will. <laughs> so I, Rally Cry is going to be huge. When it's going to be a huge knock against anything HOD. Yeah, definitely. Well, and that, just like I said about Search and Detain, I mean, Maesters is going to struggle with that because there's still, I think, two or three houses that can reliably run Search and Detain now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And turns out next to Hollow Hills going to be fine with running it if they want. All right. Yay, FFG. Yeah. I'm just, I'm still trying to run through this. There's just so many things that that, that does to the meta. I think, if that is legit, that that does more to shake this up than maybe any of the rest of these. Well, the boats. Combined. The boats. Even. Yeah. The boats. <laughs> the boats are big. The boats are big. So does this make us want to play a Greyjoy Knights of the Hollow Hill deck just so we can play Hammerhorn? Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. If you can, if, uh, if only. <laughs> If only I could guarantee I started with it. Exactly. Exactly. So House of Damn it, House there of goes that idea. <laughs> yeah, House of Dreams. Oh. Alright. And Will, I guess you wanted to talk about the tourney rules. The tourney rules, yeah. Just an acknowledgement. Of course they always update what's on and off the restricted list in the tourney rules. But they've also got a new segment in there mentioning tournament software strength of schedule which talks about FFG's new tournament software, Tome, how it's in beta, and so on and so forth, and how they made some tweaks to the calculation of strength of schedule uh, to you know, more accurately represent how players actually do. So in a nutshell, basically it tries to account for players that drop early before the tournament's over so you don't tank people's strength of schedule. So it has a paragraph here where it explains it. It says that a player's SOS is divided... Uh, sorry, uh, by dividing each opponent's score by the number of rounds the opponent has played, then adding the results of all opponents played by that player. Software then divides that total by the number of rounds the player has played to find a player's strength of schedule. But then it mentions in the final paragraph that tournament organizers should communicate to their you know, players that this is different and that like people that are not using Tome will be calculating it a different manner as published here in the, the tournament. Uh, and that's weird. It doesn't seem like that's that complicated of a formula. I mean, I'm no math teacher. I'm an English but who teacher. Is? But if I can understand it, like, couldn't we probably calculate that if we need to? Yeah, it seems like a simple mathematical formula to me. I think I think my ninth grade algebra Winston could do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, maybe, maybe. <laughs> But the only thing I want to make sure they put in there is I think that there still needs to be some kind of provision, explanation, whatever, for um, somebody who gets a buy. Like not a uh, – you didn't play somebody the first round, and so you got a buy versus you have won a regional or you won a star championship, and now you have a buy sort of thing. Because I think that's still yeah, just, confusing, and they're not scored the same. Right. But I think it now they totally are. be stalled out. Right. Now they, that's what I'm saying. By reading that, it sounds like now they are, which doesn't seem. Right. It doesn't seem like that buy would be any boon to you then. Exactly. 
Now you just got a first round win against nobody, basically. And that's all that mattered when before you used to have your opponent was basically undefeated the rest of the way. And that made a huge difference in strength the schedule. Which helps you. Well, I mean, if it's not that and it uses this new calculation, then it's, it's hurting you because any variation is going to cause that average to move a lot further. Exactly. You add the actual, extra actual opponent. So. There we go. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. I just thought I would draw attention for folks that depending on what tourneys you go to, they may be calculated differently. And I don't see a real reason for that. So with All that, right, so Aaron, you had mentioned given ahead. everything in the FAQ document, overall meta expectations. Should we talk about maybe top three, top five decks that we project to see given these implications? Sure. Lead the way. So, Tommy, lead us off with those top decks. Well, obviously the first one that pops to mind for me is going to be the Martel Maesters build. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's definitely a top-tier deck now. And probably a Barra Hollow Hill comes back to life. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely does. <laughs> we know what Will's playing. <laughs> yeah. And well, likely a Targ Hollow Hill right on the heels. Yeah. What? You think Martel Hollow Hill tries to come back? <laughs> Who plays that stuff? Targ- Targaryen. <laughs> I, I don't think Martel Hollow Hill can, sadly. Bruno, you're being kind of agree with that. Uh, sorry, Aaron. You have wait till we play at Gen Con. When you and I play in the finals. <laughs> like I'm making Burning on the sands all day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that many Hollow Hill builds obviously are going to be, um, Better, you know, and but I do think that Baratheon definitely could be there. Target, I think, could be there. I do think that Martell can be there, but not Stark, <laughs> not Lannister, <laughs> but uh, the other four houses, sure. Okay, and I obviously think Stark NA is still going to be right there. I think Stark, Stark NA is still nasty. Do you think now that? That we have these changes that the restriction card is going to change from Mira to Search and Detain or Fury, or do you think you're going to stick with, they're going to stick with Mira? I think it's still Mira. I, yeah. I think, right? yeah. Double Nightmares is good, especially in a Maester meta. Well, that's the thing. I think, I think it's because of Winter also. You, there's lots of great bonuses you get from Stark for Winter. I mean, the King's Road is great, and it's not just her. It's all the other stuff, so she just fits in there. Yep. You know, so I, I agree with you. I think that's still going to be a really, really strong deck. Plus all the search you get too. It's hard to, that's still, I, I, I my opinion, still probably the top deck to beat at Worlds. Yeah. What are the well, other decks? She's built in answers to all the other decks that we listed, right? I mean, you, you take the Maesters, you take the Hollow Hill, you take, um, anything out of Barra where they're trying to trigger things from the discard pile, whether it's Maesters or not, whether it's Hollow Hill or not, it's still great. I mean, that's yep. always been her strength, right? She answers anything. And it's not that she doesn't, like, still answer most stuff now. Now she just answers, what, like, 90% of stuff <laughs> instead of 100. Well, the thing that always made, always made her so good and still will make her this great is, like we talked about a little earlier in this podcast, is a card like the Castellan, you know, because any kind of card you get to use more than once. I mean, that's why mm-hmm. Lannister losing... Harry the Riverlands, while that is great, I mean, for them in terms of losing it, it's really not going to hurt them. I, I think that they can still get just as much out of other cards 
and have because they have so many great events. And like you said, since we're talking about decks, I do think Landy Dark Wings Dark Words will still be a top tier deck contender for for Gen Con. That was my last one of my top five. And yeah. if you look at the Iron Throne, I think yeah. with Mira getting changed, I think yeah. the value of the Iron Throne exponentially increases. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. I think Lanny Wings might just be the deck to beat right now. Like everything we've been talking about, Lanny Wings has a really good answer for. Yeah. Although I guess I could see Maesters out like just rushing to yeah, beat them. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking about just now. Like it can get going so fast. Oh, hmm. uh, my Barrett Noble Cause deck I'm bringing is no. Okay. You're gonna have trouble running Burning from the Sand in that. <laughs> So, what are your top five, Bruno? Uh, I think th- my number one is still Stark. Uh, I think Stark is probably still number one. The Stark no agenda build with Winter with Mira. Number two probably would be Lanny Dark Wings Dark Words. Um, I don't know if it's because I have a little bit of prejudice towards it still, but I do think that. I mean, I actually played the year I won Worlds in 2012 at Gen Con that year. I played Martel Masters at Gen Con and was undefeated through the first. You know, all the rounds of Swiss in the first round. So, of uh, the top 16, I, you know, and it was really, really fun and fast. So, Martel Maces is going to be there. But the other prejudice I have is towards Tark Hollow Hill. I think that's going to be right there too. Uh, that would probably be my fourth one. And I have a feeling somebody can still put something together with Baratheon that might surprise you. Um, and whether it's Hollow Hill or, cause Baratheon can, rush you so quickly before you have a chance to like sit down and get comfortable. If you get Stannis or Robert out right away, knock the flowers out right away, and you don't have a way to stop them on the first two turns, it could be game over. So I do think that Baratheon something is my fifth deck, I would say. So just having gone through mine and John's list, do we notice a single house that is underrepresented? Rayjoy. Is there is there anything left yes. for that? Yes. I still think LIV2 is, yeah. is going to be very solid. It it would be in my list. I, mine, in no particular order, I mean, is probably going to be, uh, let's see, Targ, Hollow Hill, Martel Maesters, Barra, Hollow Hill, LIV2, and... Uh, yeah, I'm w- I'm willing to go go Lanny in that last spot. Hey, Greg. Um, I'm gonna bring something crazy and weird that's not on the list, and I'm gonna win. So I don't really care what the rest is. <laughs> You're okay. going back to reinforcements, aren't okay. you? Neutral, neutral, <laughs> neutral tills, neutral Night's Watch. Uh, right. my list. Four are the same, so we'll go through them quickly. Lanny, Wings, Martel, Maester, Stark, and A. And I've gone back and forth five times between Barra and Targ, Hollow Hill, one of the two. And the last thing is totally different. I think Greyjoy and Maesters. I think it's That's I, legit. I, I think it's going to be good. I don't know. Maybe. I, I want to try it out again myself. I'll say that. I'm going to tell you two cards why Maesters won't win. Egret and Cold Hands. If you will play them. Okay, there, now I'm going to tell you four cards that... <laughs> Go so, for it. Yes, obviously Egret and Cold Hands. I mean, they Egret for sure for targeting the Conclave. Cold Hands for just taking any mace with chains on it. But taking Conclave... Search and Detain Viserys. No, 
<laughs> take it captive. You just play that second turn and steal their best maester. And the third turn, you play the aftermath. Bye bye maester with all your chains. So between that and rally cry, um, if you play those in your deck and you're, you're ready for lots of, and the, the thing I like most about those two cards is they don't target any particular deck. They're just good, versatile plots. So I think that, you know, you play those two in your deck, um, you can handle maesters. I agree, except for Martell maesters. Yeah, I think Martell maesters just be so fast that it doesn't matter as much. Well, no, I'm playing yeah. three copies of Gilbert Farwin. <laughs> you and your allies. Out, out of house. Yes. Out of house in my Martell deck with Brett, with a Noble Cause agenda. I love it. <laughs> I love the way you think. You should build it, and we'll just convince them to let it be legal. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about Maesters, honestly, for the last several years, um, pretty much after Brett won 2011 with the you know Robert Uber deck, is the better Maester decks didn't try and you know stack all the chains on one. I realize Rusted Maesters did a little bit, okay, but Martel Maesters doesn't care. You know, it's basically just saying I'm using the Maester agenda for card draw. You know, I mean, yeah. basically this is six free cards I get just for winning a challenge, and I don't care. So I'll just put them wherever it seems optimal, but I'm not necessarily going to stack them up on one guy. So, you know, I don't think that that deck really is bothered by a lot of these what I would call Maester answers. Yeah. You know, now the rusted Maesters or the old school, you know, had it still been legal, the old school – you know, and I should have those Robert Maester deck that Brett played in 2011. Those decks would stack them all on one character. They care. But a deck that's just like, you know what? I've just already got a solid deck and now I'm going to slap this agenda on because I get six free cards or eight free cards, whatever it happens to be. Those decks won't care. Another note yeah, about been, the Martell uh, Maesters, uh, in that the, another thing they really want out of the Maester stuff is the Conclave. Which has cost five, which means it's going to be out of range of being touched by uh, taken captive. Correct, but not really correct. Right, right. But if you've paid zero for it, and right. on the on the third turn, because keep in mind, actually, it'd have to be the fourth turn that they can use Rally Cry on it, right? Because Rally right. Cry is equal to the number of plots into the uh, you know use right. pile. So yeah, you're yeah. going to have to wait till the fourth turn to play it. By then, you're getting rid of a maester character that I paid maybe one for or two sure. at best. So, I mean, again, that's why I'm saying the Martell Maesters is going to, for the most part, you know, just sort of slough off most of those direct answers for, you know, maester chain builds. Oh, you guys right. you guys played that deck back then. How, how much, if at all, does losing the Viper hurt those builds? No, it doesn't. No, not at all. I didn't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and getting the boss back helps a lot. Absolutely. Yes, it does. If if those decks want to bother with a Viper, like, they're fine with the Warcrest. Actually, the stealth with his renown may be a little bit better to give them another angle to to close quickly if they want. Right. You know, the thing about that is with all their other just good characters, even with renown, I mean, like, Beric Dundarian was, like, amazing in that deck, right? Just to have him in there. But. Um, you can usually win by second or third turn with that deck. The the one thing I will say is, with regard to the Martell one, it still is the best one of the bunch because they're I think their maces are really really good. And Greg is right. The best way to play it is you don't put you know you spread out your 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 chains. You just want them off. 
you don't really care. You just write them off and you just get them, get two on somebody with a Valerian one. That's all you need to do. But again, we're talking about Mira. Mira still has the best answer for that. And that's why you play her with Winter. So you can blink two, two cards, potentially two chains. And she does do a lot to that deck. Now, well, because, but that's why you, Martell is the best of them all, right? Because right. you're using refugees that are maesters. You're using right. maesters of war. You're using the conclave. Yep. And, uh, uh, you have key calls of thinking. Because yeah. thought mirrors is going to be interesting. But, you know, one thing we never talk about that I never hear anyone ever talk about in any of these podcasts or, um, or read the boards and stuff when people pop up and say these things. How many times have you ever heard, uh, what do you do against a mirror match? Because if a lot of people show up with a deck, and how do you play against somebody playing the exact same deck? So I think you have to think about that too with your deck. What are you going to do is make it a little bit different too. So that'll be interesting to see how people handle that. Everybody runs a touch of influence and they run too proud to bow. <laughs> I love that card. Uh, cost me a moon boy. There you go. Right. Yep. All right. Any final thoughts about the fact and the new meta? It's good for me. It's interesting. I like it. I like, it. I like that we're shaking things up before Gen Con. I like it a lot more now that uh, we learned that Will found the Hollow Hill change. <laughs> there we go. That's all I needed to do. I feel accomplished. Quick question. Uh, John Bruno has done very well at World's events with the Knights of Hollow Hill ag- agenda, as have I. So regarding nationals, since that's the FAQ that we're playing under now, what are the odds that you guys put, and John and I are not allowed to answer, that one of the two of us used the Knights of the Hollow Hill agenda at at Gen Con? I mean, that's just a random guess. Uh, Well, it's better than random. It's Greg's last year to use his agenda. So I'm going to put the odds at like two to one in favor. That's why I said safe money's two to one. Yeah. Bovada is taking bets on this, by the way. I think you can go to one of their sites and bet on it. <laughs> Aaron, your bet? Yeah, no. Um, 50-50. I don't think it's quite two to one. Like, I think, I don't know. I think Hollow Hill will be back in 2.0. It'll just be different. Props and slops? Props and slops. Someone has to have one. Props to the Pittsburgh Pirates for being three three out of four games against the Cardinals and coming back a win twice in the bottom of the walk-offs. I like that. That's it. That's my props. All right. Props to the San Antonio Spurs. Because holy shit are they good at doing everything. Fully loaded. (laughs) Like, how do you, how are you that good and then get us, like, Another superstar and get everyone to take less across the board. <laughs> People want to play with winners. Since you're sticking with the basketball, how about slops of those Dallas Mavericks? Oh, it's not their, Jordan. Yes. it's not their fault. Yeah, their fault. Slops to Jordan. <laughs> Stays with my. No, I'm a Clippers fan, so <sighs> I'm saying slops to the Mavs. Props to my Clippers. You're a Clipper fan. I thought you liked yeah. winners. No, well, I I, I like Will. <laughs> Ouch. Sorry. And he is Darryl. the only championship level player, might I remind you. Only in yeah. 1.0, he loses that when 2.0 starts. Oh my goodness. <laughs> True. That's a bummer. <laughs> Such a bummer. How about props to the women soccer team? How about that, Will? 
Yeah. Speaking of winners. Yeah. I mean, I, I had actually forgotten that we hadn't, uh, recorded since they won, but, uh, that was, that was pretty impressive. I, I could hardly believe the speed at which they were, uh, putting them in the goal. Uh, so that, that just doesn't happen in a, in a World Cup finals. Uh, it was pretty obvious that it was over and Japan was out of it about 10 minutes in. <laughs> and, and Will, is it ironic that the Beyond the Wall folks decided that they were going to make a comment about us missing a cast, but also missed their opportunity to reference the World Cup that happened in their country? Yeah. I mean, they also missed the fact until after we talked about it. <laughs> that's fair. Just like they missed the goal in the quarterfinals, but that's not here nor there. <laughs> I, I like this. I like this. This uh, this podcast. It's just the, it's the sports props and slaps version. I like this one. Yeah, <laughs> sports and pop culture. Yeah. That's us. That how, about, uh, how about how about slaps to uh, Jason Pierre-Paul and his missing finger? Oh, he doesn't need more slops. He has been slopped enough. By well, he he wasn't the only NFL player. There's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer who lost two fingers. How? Yep. I definitely missed this story. Where are these players' agents telling them to stay away from fireworks? Give them to your entourage. <laughs> now I get it. By by the way, here's another great props one. I went to Comic Con this past weekend, which is a lot of fun. Jealous and. Uh, Dwight Howard was there dressed in costume, kind of like almost like a predator costume and just walking around the floor. And he had these big ass bodyguards, like almost as, as tall as he is, but what, much wider. And, uh, it was awesome. I mean, he was great with the kids and taking pictures of the kids. And, um, some people were like, who had no clue who he was, who are you? What's your name? And he's like, Shaquille O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal. But it was, <laughs> it was pretty funny. He was, he was pretty cool. He was pretty cool out there. I liked seeing him out there. Just walking the crowd, walking the crowd with everyone else. Nice. Huh. And that's from a Clippers fan, everybody. What? Yes. He, he shunned well, the Lakers. How do you not like him? Right. How can I not like him? I hate the Lakers. So. Me too. Yeah. All right. I actually do have a prop. And uh, I didn't think I'd like it when I downloaded it. But a couple of uh, months ago, my stepbrother told me that there was a Star Wars card trader app for oh, the phone. I forgot about that. Yeah. And that you literally trade virtual Star Wars cards. Right. And I'm like, OK, so, you know, I, I'm a collector. I've always been a collector. And he's like, yeah, I have a um a Han Solo that's worth over a hundred dollars. And I said, what? Jeez. I'm like, this is a virtual app. And he's like, yep, there are people that turn around and sell the virtual cards on eBay and then trade them to someone else within the app when they purchase it on eBay. Now, I don't know if this violates eBay rules or even violates the app rules, but that's what he told me. And at the time he told me it was only available on iOS. So then about two months ago or so, it was made available on Android, and I started playing about six weeks ago. And my first week or two, no big deal. Every every day I just log on. They give you, like, free Star Wars credits that you use to buy packs, right? Well, then I start trading, and that's where it really got fun is just trading with other people and building a collection. And now I have a collection that's probably worth, I mean, if just judging on eBay values, probably about $500. Jeez. So, Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I thought that, you know, it was going to be this little boring thing. And I thought my, you know, stepbrother was crazy. And then I totally got into it and I've really enjoyed it. So, and all it is is well, really you're... virtual cards. Consider it the Bitcoin of Star Wars cards. <laughs> yeah. I remember when you were first, well, and you totally me about first that. started doing this around Memorial Day, right? 
you were showing us that you had just gotten into that around Memorial Day. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. Yeah, that sounds about right, because uh, that would mean I've been playing, what, June and July. So, yeah, about six weeks worth. So, yep. And, yeah, so since then I've built about a $500 collection. Now that's give or take a little bit. And, of course, uh, you know, that's following eBay prices, which go up and down every day. But it's been a lot of fun playing. So it's the stops, the, excuse me, the top Star Wars card trader app. And, you know, Bruno was talking about, uh, you know, the Comic Con and they actually had a booth set up at the San Diego Comic Con. So still a lot of bugs to work out on the Android version. I've heard, I have an Android, so I've heard the, uh, iPhone version's a lot smoother, a lot less bugs. Mine has a lot of bugs in the Ash crap. The, the, excuse me, the app crashes a lot. <laughs> 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 oh, well, uh, I've got uh, kind of a pop culture one, or media, really, I guess I should say. I finally got around to watching Snowpiercer last night, which uh, I yeah. heard a lot of good things about over the over the like, year or so since it came out. And it was decidedly meh in the oh. end. So, you know, I don't know. It, it was kind of interesting uh, overall. But uh, I don't I don't know if I want to get into too deep of spoiler territory, uh, but spoiler alert to fans anyway who might watch it and, and care about me saying this, like pretty much everyone dies at the end. So I don't get any sort of positive, hopeful vibe out of this. Like the girl and the little boy are are literally just going to go out there and die because she, so what if it's warming up? Everyone else on that train is dead and they're the only two humans on Earth. So it's like Game of Thrones for Starks. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if everyone in the movie was a Stark. Yeah, that <laughs> that's pretty much how uh, how it plays out. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, didn't you like? Did you like the classroom scene? That classroom scene was awesome. It was good. No, there was a lot of really cool looking scenes and some neat ideas. Uh, I really loved Ed, Ed Harris's. Uh, kind of laying it all out uh, yeah. for uh, Chris Evans at the end. But just just that last little bit of the movie paid off so poorly. Yeah, I had the same I had the same impression as you will from watching it. I I liked a lot of it. I liked the it was a different kind of different kind of movie, but the ending just left fell flat for me, too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if I didn't mention, go Pirates. I don't know if I mentioned it or not, did I? <laughs> no, I don't remember that. Okay, cool. Then go Pirates. I, I got to realize, it's been over 30 years since really they've been this good, so I'm kind of like enjoying it. So They were this good last year. Yeah, and the you year know, before. Yeah, but they No, they have the second best record in the majors right they now. They do. And they, they weren't that good the last two years. That's right. Oh, well. It's a shame that the first best record in the majors is in their division. Yes, it is. And, I mean, you got to say, really, hats off to the Cardinals. With what they're doing for all the injured guys that they have, they just put they just put new guys in and just go real long and put, have the best record in the majors. And they're an A-plus. And the off-the-field controversy, don't forget that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they got a lot from hacking the Astros system. Sure, I know. <laughs> They just That's how you get to be number one in the league. Somebody was like, "I wonder what porn he's been checking out." No. It wasn't. It wasn't hacking. The guy kept the same 
uh, password. Exactly. That is so not hacking. Yeah. Hacking. I hit enter. Okay. Yeah. That was <laughs> <laughs> it was auto-filled already. I hit enter. All right. Yeah. I hacked it. I'm, a, I'm amazing. Yeah. Props to the Minion movie. It's way better than it had any right to be. Uh, I need to check that out. The previews look pretty good. My yeah, I thought there there were a lot of good laughs in that movie for sure. Yeah, really, really funny. My wife yeah. loves Minions, so I went to see it semi begrudgingly, and it was right. really good. Yeah, I got tons of Minion stuff all over my classroom. My classroom kind of looks like a, a little mini geek fest. Surprisingly enough, I got tons of posters all over the walls. The kids <laughs> love that stuff. I never would have guessed. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll, love, I'll you know, prop some. Go ahead. Go ahead, John. No, I was just gonna say I love having. I was like, gonna say. <laughs> You said go ahead. <laughs> well, Aaron, you go. I got nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> it's awesome when you have the Game of Thrones posters up on your wall and kids walk in and are like, oh, I love that show. And like when I meet them the first time at the beginning of the year. So that's really kind of cool to see how many kids are into Game of Thrones. And now this year you're going to be like, hey, and you guys should play this game, right? Yes. Well, I usually tell them at some point that, you know, I've won once or twice. You know. Yeah. I mention it. <laughs> once or twice. Just once or twice. Who knows the exact yeah. number? It's a good starting point. 2.0. Bring him in. Yeah. I walked into my classroom one day and found a kid playing Magic on Octagon. <laughs> and I was like, uh, is it? Like, I didn't know it was Magic, but I was like, is that Octagon? He was like, why do you know what Octagon is? And I was like, why are you on Octagon on my computer? <laughs> Seems like a much more relevant question. And he was like, oh, I'm playing Magic. And I was like, oh, you should show me your deck. And then we talked. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, Isn't it awesome? It's interesting you that you bring... Nope. <laughs> it's interesting that you bring up Magic because that was going to be my prop. I hadn't played since I was like 11 years old, legitimately. Uh-huh. And I went and did a pre-release for Origins with my one buddy oh, uh, this past weekend. Jealous. And it is... absolutely a throwback. I had quit Magic because I hated so many of the things about the mechanics and the way that they were taking the game, and they really did make a throwback out of this set. I was really glad that he dragged me out. I don't see myself going back and becoming a Magic player again, but for that one day, playing it in a sealed environment, it was really fun. And I went 5-2, and and I was like, oh, hey, can't, can't go wrong with this. Limited is a blast. Yeah, that's definitely the best format for Magic. I always have more fun playing that. Hmm. Well, I think that's all the props and slops for me this week. Anybody else uh, have anything to close us out? Uh, props to Gen Con Karaoke. All oh, listeners, yeah. you are welcome to join us. It will be epic. Maybe somebody will sing some Kenny Loggins. Time, location. It's time for the... Oh. I, I was waiting. You know, I wanted Tommy to fill in on that one since I'm always dropping <laughs> the ball. What What's Kenny Loggins' best song? Danger Zone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>